Hi, everybody. Uh, my name is Hugh Davidson. I'm the account executive from Galaxy, working with Health First. Today, we've got with us uh, some very special guests. Um, health First, as you know, is a New York-based health insurance company. It's been providing services for the last 25 years. And with us is CJ Brexel, Vice President, Application Development, and Eric Wong, who's Business Automation and Analytics Engineering Ops Improvement. Also joining us from Galaxy today is uh, a whole bunch of our uh, O2A team and our, and our delivery team. So let me start by introducing Ryan Hoyle. Ryan? Hey, everybody. So again, I know everyone on this call, but again, Ryan Hoyle, Vice President of Outsource to America. Um, I just want to welcome everyone to this call. CJ, Tracy, Eric, thank you for doing this. Uh, as part of kind of our standard O2A runbook, we love to introduce the program and the people that this program is touching to our customers, to the community, and to other external stakeholders. This run of show is a little bit different in that it is more of a bespoke discussion, CJ, for you and Eric uh, to introduce you to potential team members, but also give our, our trainees who have entrusted both Galaxy and Health First with uh, playing a major role in their career pathways. And they're well aware of the amazing endorsements and sponsorship that you and your organization is doing. Uh, but it's a great platform for them to introduce themselves to you. And uh, I'm going to follow Tracy and team script instead of using all this hour to go on a tangent, as our, our colleagues know I'll do. Um, but really, we hope to get to a point where this becomes conversational. And, and CJ, Eric, we want to really draw on your experience, personal and professional, and help our colleagues, our, our emerging talent colleagues understand, uh, one, why you guys would be interested in sponsoring a program like Outsource to America. It's very disruptive. Uh, to make the investment in workforce development and, and DE&I that you guys are doing, but also any words of wisdom that you're comfortable sharing about how to follow it and execute their career pathways and how to be most uh, project ready for engagements on your team. We just really, really appreciate your time and your vision and, and the learnings that you'll deliver to us. So thank you to everyone for taking the time to join to our, our, our trainee team. We told you there was clients behind this that we're supporting you guys. So please don't be shy. Put your best, most genuine, authentic selves forward. And uh, let's have a great conversation. That's great. Thanks, Ryan. Mm -hmm. um, let's see. We have Sridhar here. Sridhar, I know um, you're on PTO, but you joined. If you can just jump in and say a quick hi. Yep. Thanks. Thanks. Uh, you. Uh, hey, guys. Uh, I'm Sridhar Autopali. I am the delivery lead for this account, and I do take care of uh, all the deliveries and make sure that successful transformation happens. Um, yeah, I'm on PTO today, but I thought it's so important this call for all of us to join. Uh, yeah, feel free to have any questions. Thank you. Thanks, Reader. Okay, Ryan, I think we're back over to you. All right, so I know um, team members, why don't we just take very, very briefly a chance to go around the horn. I'll call you out, but just please introduce yourself and uh, your current location so, so our special guests can get to know you. So Chikizi, you're the first trainee in my box. Oh, thank you. Um, good morning, everyone. My name is Chikizi Uzuzu and um, I'm here in Bronx, New York. Thank you. Thank you. Antonio. Hello, everyone. Um, Antonio Apollinar. Uh, I'm located in uh, Brooklyn. Darwin. Darwin Baez. How's everybody doing? I'm in the Bronx right now. Thank you. Anthony. Good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Anthony, and I am also from the Bronx office. Jake. Good morning, everyone. I'm Jake Colado. I'm in Queens. I operate out of the Bronx office. Sahu. 
Good morning, everyone. My name is Salim Jai, and I live in the Bronx. Anthony? Hello, everyone. My name is Anthony Pereira, and I am located in Queens. Christian? Good morning, everyone. My name is Christian Victoria, and I am located in Bronx. Jeremiah? Hello, everybody. My name is Jeremiah Wilson. I'm located in Manhattan. All right. And Jose, I think you're our last uh, training. Morning, everyone. My name is Jose Diaz, and I'm from the Bronx, located at the Bronx. All right. And Tracy, CJ, Eric, everyone else on the call represents the O2A operations team responsible for everything from recruiting to training to marketing our trainees and making sure that their pathway is as smooth as possible. So to Tracy and her team, uh, Tracy, Ashley, Kim, Rachel, everyone else, just thank you all for what you did to bring this together. And on that, why don't we get this conversation started? So with that, CJ, Eric, would you take a moment, just introduce yourselves and then we'll get into some questions and answers. Sure, Eric, you wanna lead us? Yes, um, hi, I'm Eric, uh, the senior manager of um, the um, claims data engineering and analytics team. And nice to meet you all here. Great. So question number one, CJ and Eric, can you tell us a little bit about Health First as an organization, the role technology is playing, and uh, a little bit about your roles and your titles, the, the value you bring? Sure. So um, Health First, you can think of us a bit as uh, a health insurance company. So, you know, we're helping provide really the both the financial and clinical care components. So how are people going to afford healthcare, which is a huge topic. Uh, and then the second is how can we help better how they manage their health? So we uh, interact with a lot of our provider community on figuring, like we see a lot of insights. You see a lot of different doctors. No one's really stitching it all together and figuring out how you can better the, the overall whole care. And so we engage a lot in the clinical management functions as well, too. A couple things that I like to call out that make us unique uh, when you compare us to other companies. So um, there's a lot of big health insurance companies. Most of them are for profit. So the, when there's money left over, everyone's paying the money, paying for premiums. And when there's money left over, they're giving it to you know, shareholders and other people. We are sponsored by the major hospital systems in, in New York. If we're all aligned on the motivation that we're trying to do, which is provide affordable care and get quality outcomes. The second thing of uh, how does technology play within that? I, I think this is just a, a broader statement across every industry. The way people connect to businesses and the way that businesses connect to each other, it happens through technology. Like there is no way to achieve anything at scale uh, without technology uh, behind it and backing it. Um, that's actually one of the reasons that I got into technology. It wasn't so much that I really enjoy playing around with it, but it was also about the flexibility of my career. So uh, I've been in health healthcare the entire time, and there's a story about why I've chosen healthcare in order to apply my craft, but I have marketable skills that I could pick up and I could go work in retail. I could go work in uh, financial. I could go work in uh, energy, like the, the same underlying technical pinnings are, are applicable in, in almost any industry. Uh, and I'm happy to talk more about that if people have questions, but I, I challenge uh, you to pick an industry that isn't being uh, uh, disrupted or, or empowered by technology. And then my role is, a, is a, you know, I'm a leader within our, uh, we call it delivery or change management. So you know, technology is a disruptive force. It's normally driving change. Uh, so we're always looking for ways that we can apply our skills, our craft in order to 
create more value for the company and more value for our customers. Um, and we organize that into you know, different domains and areas. And, and I lead one uh, a set of those domains. So I, I do all of really our, our back office operations, kind of uh, the engine that runs the company. Uh, so I run our claims, which is how you pay for, for how providers receive money for the care that they provide. Uh, and then I also support our enrollment billing functions and some of our other back office operations. Eric, do you want to talk a little bit more about the, the analytics functions that you support within claims? Yes. So um, being the senior manager of the claims data and the uh, engineering and analytics, one of the primary goal I have is continue to provide quality and accurate claim data so that the claims operation business team can use this data to actually um, come up with uh, good insight and able to make um, uh, impactful decision based on these data and more importantly throughout the day-to-day -day operation using these data that my teams create so that they can actually tackle in a uh, situation before it become problematic. So I always apply in, um, you know, able to uh, not only just deliver quality and um, accurate data, but also timely data, because it's very important that if the data that we provide is outdated, like, you know, uh, only representing the, uh, information from two, three, four weeks or months ago, it's not relevant anymore uh, for today's decision making. So being a team that actually subject matter expert in uh, claims data, we want to be able to not only provide the data, but giving a timely data just in time for good decision making and making uh, and then being impactful in the process as well as to serve our members um, uh, to do the best that we can. So that's pretty much what I try to do every day with my team. So Eric CJ, can you speak to some representative projects or engagements that help you deliver on that and then also speak a little bit about how you leverage organizations like Galaxy uh, to augment your staff for both bandwidth and also thought leadership. Sure. So, um, you know, one of the biggest things that we're doing within our our claims area right now is we're running, uh, and this isn't this isn't unique to us. This is, you know, uh, if you go behind any bank or or any health insurance company or even a lot of retail or travel companies, behind the scenes there's this giant mainframe based application that uh, has. Uh, that is built on technology from really the 60s, 70s, and 80s. And it's been the core engine that runs our company uh, for the last 25 years. And so one of our biggest initiatives is how we start to modernize around the edges that, that platform and, and ultimately displace it. The biggest example of this is that we've just completed in claims is we're, we're figuring out how to provide uh, some claims editing rules. And editing rules are really a quality check that we have on the providers. So when they, when they bill us, sometimes they make mistakes and sometimes those are honest mistakes and sometimes they're bad actors in the system that are trying to um, you know, commit fraud or, or abuse in order to get more money. And we apply, uh, we partner with organizations and apply internally some of our, our analytics and rules engines to try to find both the mistakes that they made as well as the bad actors and so that we can inform them uh, and take the right corrective actions. And we made a big leap in our, uh, in our strategy this last year where normally we would plug those rules into our mainframe-based application. Uh, we built a, a cloud-centric, so we built it uh, in AWS. Uh, we applied uh, a real-time integration uh, out to a third party over the internet into their cloud solution and created a pattern where we're you know, able to pass this information and identify these situations in real time so we can take the right action, uh, whether that be you know, informing the provider that 
you know, they made an honest mistake and they need to rebuild with the right mistake or, you know, finding patterns over time that we need to, to you know, have a talk with that, with that doctor to figure out if they should be a part of our network or not. So how do we engage with, uh, you know, partners like Outsource to America within that? So one, I, I don't have enough people <laughs> to do the change that I want to do. So there is just a, a raw, like, people power uh, of that. Um, the second is I don't have all the right answers. And so, you know, I, I need a variety of, of thought of people, inquisitive people who have maybe had some experience that isn't exactly what I did, but is going to have different ideas. And then, you know, the, the third within that is, you know, there's a mix of individuals that I'm looking, uh, and this is what I really like about the balance of Outsource to America. Like I've got to grow my aggregate team. I've got a really, um, a talent market that's really demanding. And so I got to flex up for these big initiatives, but I also want to keep some of, I want to keep some of the people I want. I've got more work to do after this next, you know, after that project completes and I'm looking at a way to diversify my skill mix and and find ways that I can tap into the talent market in different ways. Um, At the same time, I also need the ability to flex up and flex down. And so, you know, Galaxy brings uh, the ability where, you know, they've got a a broader source of, of engagements where they can use a part of their mix to give me some of that flex and a part of that other mix for me to figure out how I grow my internal talent base over time. Thank you. So Eric, I'd like to pass it to you. If you can build on that and help us understand, you know, the big question our, our trainee team members are going to have, what value do you see in someone who's coming with attitude, aptitude, and drive, but not necessarily the experience um, that you're used to when you work with other programs and other partners? And how can these individuals put their best foot forward and their best selves forward to you? Well, I guess that I'm going to start off with my own story. So um, I, I graduated from college and without any training in technical skills. So technical skills such as uh, SQL, SAS, Tableau, I, those are not part of uh, my academic study. So it, it's throughout this um, almost close to 18 years of working in the healthcare industry from different departments, different operations to where I am today. Uh, just that every opportunity that come across me, I take full advantage of it to, to learn it. Um, when I was given the opportunity to learn Cardinals, I took the opportunity and learn it and then continue to practice it and pursue that knowledge. Same thing when SAS come around, when the job need me to learn SAS, I talk upon it and learn it and Tableau and so on and so forth. So one thing I definitely want to kind of like emphasize is it doesn't matter if you have that technical skill because technical skill can definitely be learned. And as you practice more, you can get better and better at it. As long as you have the learning attitude, you have the willingness to continue to thrive and, and, and be good at what you're doing. I think that you know the opportunity is always there for you to get to where you want to be eventually in that particular skill set or that career. It is not about what you have right now, it's what you decide to have and actually want to build for yourself. Uh, doesn't matter if it's career for you or if it's just something that you want to do on the side. Everything can be uh, learned and also you will be an expert at it if you put in the determination. And I think the, the, the attitude I would want to share with all of you is have that all-in attitude because if you want to do it and you're all-in, you will be able to get there. And I, as manager, as a leader, I will help you to get there and support you every step of the way. Hey, Eric, just to, just to build on that, because I, even to kind of level the playing field a bit, like I have the traditional background. Like I went to college for computer science and I, I'll tell you that I, 
I learned absolutely zero technical skills in my degree that I actually applied in, in the corporate environment. And, you know, part of that is because the degree is around theory and these weird things that, you know, are, are that are an academic in nature. But part of that is also like the technologies I learned in school in the four years that I was in school became irrelevant in the industry yeah. because the technology changes that quickly. And so if to reinforce what Eric described, like whatever you're learning today, I, I'm much more excited about people who are continuing to learn and are wanting to be year, like lifelong learners than I am that someone that knows an expert in a particular thing because they worked on it for four years. Because in all likelihood, that, that thing is probably going to disappear at some point. Thank yep. you. I definitely agree with CJ. What's relevant today may not be relevant tomorrow anymore. So the new folks coming in, there's always things that even myself can learn from you guys because you are learning what's new and relevant today and we can work together. Thank you guys. What I'd like to do now is uh, recruit my colleague Tracy to take the microphone away from me because I have a habit of dominating all discussions and no one's here to hear from me. So I'm going to give Tracy the mic back to, to kind of engineer an open dialogue Q&A session. But before I give it to Trace, Chikizi, I'm going to call on you just because I know you and I have had a lot of personal conversations about this program and this pathway. And these are the gentlemen that are that are really sponsoring it and making it happen. So knowing that you have things top of mind, I'll hand it to you and to the rest of the team. This is it. This is what O2A is all about, bringing people together, trying to bring value for our communities, for yourselves and for our customers. So don't be shy. None of you are in our, our private sessions. So uh, please, let's make this an open conversation dialogue. But these gentlemen are far better equipped than Murphy and myself to lay out what a career pathway and alignment with Health First looks like. So the floor is open to you. And Tracy will help us moderate. Absolutely. Shikazi, if you want to take yourself off mute, step right in. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you, Ryan, for um, this opportunity. Uh, so, um, I mean, I'm just going to say I have a very soft spot for um, non-for-profits. And um, it's simply because I've worked with uh, a couple and also uh, I'm a beneficiary from, you know, some others. So I get to understand how not-for-profit works, the challenges, and you know what it takes to help people that are in need and make sure that you know you actually make an impact for them. Uh, I, for one, um, I've benefited from a, uh, a few, like I said, because um, I mean it was a traumatic experience for me uh, in 2017. I was actually you know kidnapped uh, in my home country, and it took a lot of effort and my ties with the United States Department of State. Um, to get me out and then have me extradited here to the United States. So it was um, a combination of, you know, not-for-profits and, you know, the U.S. government and stuff like that that uh, made it possible, you know, for me to have a life to start rebuilding, uh, both my career, my personal life, and, you know, to start developing um, everything I lost, you know, as a result of, you know, such um, an issue. So, um that has also, you know, made me very much interested in health first. Uh, I also have a background in radiation physics. Um, I've worked a bit in the healthcare sphere before deciding to go back to tech, which was, you know, the very first place I worked, you know, right from out of college because my undergraduate was in physics. So um, I'm very much interested in what exactly, um, you know, the day-to-day -day activities at Health First is like. I think um, the question, I'll put it to Eric, given that you kind of do the hands-on analytical aspect of, you know, the claims program for Health First. So uh, 
I'm interested in knowing, you know, having a taste of what uh, your day-to-day is, you know, composed of, so to say. Okay, uh, great question. So um, obviously day-to-day being a data engineering team, uh, there, there's some things that we do on a more like a repetitive level and there are things that we actually have to engage more on an urgent level. So day-to-day we, we have meetings to actually to, to, uh, to actually align ourselves to what we have planned to do in terms of the program level, initiative that we have to engage and also delivery that we have to execute and actually d- deliver, right, obviously. So on a day-to-day basis, as we have meetings, we have discussion, we have work group, and also uh, for myself as the manager of the team, I personally on, on, on a uh, weekly, weekly basis will have one-to-one meeting with every individual in my team to understand where they are today, what do they need from me in terms of a, as a manager to help them, any hurdle or, or issue that they would like me to um, to give them advice and guidance to, to, get, uh, to actually go through. And also more importantly, identify opportunities for them to cope them into the next level because you I mean everyone comes in is to learn is is to progress and um, and be better right um, so my my job as a people leader is to really offer that and whatever experience I have I will share and meet them where they are and help them to to become who they want to become I hope that answer your question the way you expect uh, yes it, it, it does give me an insight to you know, what, what it takes to you know work in the analytical field uh, although i was um you know looking at a little bit more on like the technical side of it um i, I know you know claims program is a huge in aspect of um the uh, health insurance you know uh, industry so i was looking at uh probably you know um hands-on stuff you know you do uh, to ensure that uh, your team succeeds in you know, making the relevant decisions they do on a yeah. daily basis. It, Eric, I, let me see if I can tee up a couple of things that I think uh, might do this uh, justice, and then you can okay. you can correct me where I, I misrepresent you. <laughs> okay, no so problem. It, what, a data, uh, traditional day-to-day is always hard in technology because we're, uh, it's a very dynamic uh, organization. But what we're generally uh, feeling the mix between is a, is a structured plan that we're looking to get to the future on. And right now in Eric's team, that's generally around uh, building really compelling self-service capabilities. So um, a lot of our data is, uh, is tracked in a way that users who aren't as technically as savvy don't know how to get access to it. And you know, Eric is, is working really, really hard to lower the bar to expose that data to individuals so that they can make some of the, um, the easier decisions by themselves rather than having to ask someone else. And so those easier decisions are like, what types of claims are this, is this doctor submitting? Uh, what are the volumes of claims that we weren't able to automatically process? And what, are the, what do they look like? You know, do we need to change our rules so that we can uh, make those just, just pay uh, uh, rather than depending on a human being to go make a decision? Um, so he's really working on unlocking all that data in a way that you know, people can just uh, press a button and they get it in, in a tool that's easier for them to navigate like Excel, that they can start to make some of those decisions themselves. That will allow the, his team to focus on uh, cooler things <laughs> and harder <laughs> problems. So like, how do, how do you develop models and, and advanced analytics that maybe is, you know, predicting claims volume in a, in a month from now, which is, you know, uh, um, enabling, enabling our business to make better forecasting decisions on their staffing levels, uh, 
or how do you start looking at our claims data to understand and better inform clinical outcomes? And how can you partner with our clinical team to understand, you know, um, Eric went to these five doctors, maybe we can predict that he has, he's nearing this condition and, and we need to figure out how to engage him differently. Um, and then the, the third thing that I think is a mix in there is we all have a bit of firefighting in us. So, you know, there's emergencies that pop up all the time of, you know, oh my God, we're, we're, we're seeing this, this pop up or that pop up. And, you know, er Eric is, Eric and his team are, you know, constantly reacting to that, whether it be, um, you know, maybe a regulator needs access to certain information in order to make sure that we're performing at the right level. Maybe, um, you know, our business team needs access to certain information and they're constantly looking at ways that they can help out. So I heard a lot of themes there of um, firefighting, you know, the day-to-day -day never looks the same, it sounds like, but you have a, a backbone of a plan that you're trying to, you know, constantly improve on, which is wonderful. Um, I have some questions, but before I take over, like Ryan, Ryan has, what, what, um, what, what about anybody else on the floor? Any from our, from our O2A team? See if anybody's coming off mute. So, um, oh, go for it. No, you could go. You could go. First. No, go ahead, Jose. Absolutely. Um, hi. Um, just like Chike, um, I'm also a physics undergraduate. I got my physics degree. Um, this past May. Um, I also wanted to ask, you know, since you were talking about um, uh, uh CJ, uh, about how you did computer science and then you know all that things that you learned, like are you know are like archaic they don't really use it no more uh now you have to learn new things uh you know uh i just wanted to know if that being uh in that field was always what you wanted to do growing up or did you change your mind going forward or how did it look i had no idea what i wanted to be when i grew up um and i i don't know and if i did I, if i can remember something that i actually wanted to do i'm not i'm not sure what it was uh I mean, I can give you a bit of, you know, how I stumbled through it. Um, and, you know, my, my dad worked in the, uh, in the technology field a bit, like he was a biology major, eventually went to get his biomedical engineering, was in um, sales in that space. And he had constantly just seen technology overrun other areas. So, you know, there was definitely some parental and in, in, uh, influence there. And it was more around like, that, all right, I'll start taking this stuff and explore it. It wasn't really like, I want to go have a job there. And then I, at some point, I wanted to be, <laughs> I really enjoy history. I really enjoy storytelling. I really enjoy more of that soft stuff. Uh, and at one point, I wanted to go be a history major and go try to be a professor somewhere and study history. You know, ultimately, I, I just really made the decision based on, you know, career aptitude of I, I still to this day read a bunch of history and explore that stuff and I can do that all the time I, I can also have a career that you know uh, you know sets myself up and my family up to to, to do really well uh, not that you can't do that in history or whatever you want to do it's just a, a I think it's a, a tougher uh, uh, thread to, to pull through um, and then you know life happens like life hits you in different ways I and when I was in college I, I lost my mother to, to cancer and you know, one of the things that I, I saw through that experience was, you know, we, she was, it was hard. Don't like, and beyond the personal stuff, like navigating the healthcare system, it's, it's hard. Um, and my mom received really great care. Like we lived in Atlanta and she got to fly to Dana-Farber to see the specialist who in Boston 
to see the specialist who really focused on her particular very unique type of cancer. And um, she was able to do so in an affordable way because of health insurance. And not everyone in America receives that same basic right or ability to, to take care of themselves. And so, you know, I, I was looking for ways that I could apply. <laughs> I had already been through, you know, two and a half years. I was kind of pot committed to this. I, I dropped out of college at the time. I re-went back into college and it was a big decision of like, am I going to course correct? Because I, I wanted to make a difference in healthcare. And so was I going to continue with technology and apply healthcare somehow? Or was I going to, you know, try to become a doctor, try to do research? I don't know. And I, I ultimately made the decision that um, kind of as I started, like technology is a disruptive force in all areas. And so how can I find ways to do that? I, I eventually landed at a large insurer. So I worked at Cigna for a long time. And it's, I felt like I was in the belly of the beast because it was like, uh, you know, this profit motivated company and they're a great company. Don't get me wrong. If you ever run into them, they're, they're uh, have a really good culture, a really fantastic thing, but ultimately behind their decisions was, a, you know, a, a an incentive, a profit incentive that, that I think disrupted some of the decisions that they were trying to make. And what I think is really unique uh, and, and cool about Health First is we have, to, like, we're a nonprofit. We have to make money. There's, there's no mission without margin. Otherwise, we'll go out of business. Like, it, I think in the heart of Health First, we'd want to give everybody everything, but then we'd go, we'd go bankrupt tomorrow and we wouldn't be able to give anybody anything. But we are motivated by the lens of how do we level the playing field around access to care and access to quality care. Like how do we get individuals the same level of care that my mother received? And that's, that's the lens that I look up when I'm coming to work every day and what excites me. Like, I feel like I'm giving back in a way. And CJ, if I can just jump in and then you and Eric, please build on it, but it's that mission is now permeating to your workforce development strategies and supporting uh, of driving a workforce that resembles what your membership looks like. Can you speak a little bit about what, again, is motivating you as an organization, but also sponsors, individual leaders of this program uh, to, to carry out that mission for every life you touch, not just your patients? Yeah, I think GT is going to join us in a while. In just a minute, he just pinged me too, and I'd love for okay. him to be able to answer this one as well. I'll give a lens of it as he's joining in, and we'll be able to reiterate yeah, He's connecting question. now with audio. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things, like, I, I don't... This isn't new, but how can you not experience what our country experienced with George Floyd and, and the, the marches and everything after that and not, not do anything different? And so you need to, you know, and I think Health First did a really strong job of fundamentally rethinking how we are organizing both our, our you know, our employees, the medical side, uh, how our customers are interaction of. And, you know, one of the things that we took away from that is, is diving into what you just described, Brian, of, you know, how do we, we're serving the New York community. How do we better make our company reflect uh, our customer base? And it's a business decision as well, too. So you can marry that up. It's not just like, hey, how can we hire a bunch of New Yorkers? But <laughs> how can we make ourselves stronger by having employees working for us who are better in tuned with the customers that we serve? They can make much better decisions around what our customers need if we better reflect uh, our customers that they serve. And then the third dynamic of that and is it's, it's really, really hard to find talent in technology. It's a really competitive marketplace. Uh, and often, you know, you, you'll see us partnering with 
you know, large companies who have, uh, are able to tap into um, talent markets in India or increasingly in Latin America and other areas. And, you know, we're trying to grow a skill mix of, of people that are committed and, and here and, and trying to solve the problem. And, you know, we develop in an agile environment where there's advantages to a, a team that can sit around the table and, and solve a problem together. And, you know, I, I think that uh, when you look at that dynamic, the diversity dynamic, and then honest, uh, you know, the, the national dynamic, it, it just feels like a, a real triple win. And then GT, I, I teed up because I think that you would have an interesting perspective on this. I don't know, Ryan, if you want to repeat the question or yeah. put lens to it. Pause for a second. Two more introductions uh, for our team. I don't know that everyone um, in the O2NY cohort has met Tor Carlson, Galaxy's Vice President of Business Development. Tor has worked with Murthy and I for over 20 years, and his team is on the front lines of introducing our program to all of our customers, uh, both existing and new. Um, and, and again, thank you, Tor, for joining and for your efforts. Um, and then the man of the hour, uh, GT, I hope I'm not putting on the spot as you're having lunch, but GT, Chief Information Officer from Health First, our, our ultimate sponsor, the man who's opened the doors uh, to Galaxy and our program to meet with, uh, I think it's a dozen GT, different business units all interested in partnering with us to support the efforts that you're hearing about from Eric and CJ. GT, question on the table right now, and we'll make it even a little bit more broad, but if you can share with us from, from your perch, um, just your expectations, your vision for the organization Health First that CJ and Eric have introduced us to, and also where you see Galaxy and the O2A program helping you accomplish some of your business goals. Yeah. So my vision for, um, for Health First for the next five years is that we make healthcare easier for consumers. You know, I don't, you know, some of you are a lot younger than me. So I don't know if, if when I was your age, there were some things that went on in my life that um, where I had already experienced um, the healthcare system and the way it can come together to, you know, save the life of someone you love uh, or yourself or frustratingly, uh, times where it feels so hard to navigate that you get uh, less than uh, less than that as an outcome. You get you know people who can't get access to the care that they need. You get um, preventable um, uh, conditions or episodes that aren't prevented. You know if you look back at the history of Health First, Health First was was launched as an experiment 28 years ago um, by the hospitals of New York. Uh, there were 475 members of Health First 28 years ago. These were members who were um, chronic overutilizers of the emergency room. Um, the, the Medicare and Medicaid Act in the late in the late 70s was passed. I think it was actually passed in the 60s. By the time it came to life, and it was in the 70s, and hospitals were not allowed to turn away. Um, uh, turn away patients for their failure to be able to pay. And, you know, hospitals get paid to serve Medicaid members um, about, I don't know, a quarter of what they get paid to deliver the exact same service to someone who's got a commercial health uh, uh, insurance policy. And, you know, doctors in the community are required to have a contract with, with the state for Medicaid at similarly discounted rates, but they're not required to actually see patients. 
um, if they are, if they do see patients, they're required to accept that payment. So hospitals were seeing patients who couldn't get a flu shot, but they couldn't be turned away when they showed up with the flu. And you know when um, when the members that we serve when they when they get the flu, it's not just about how do you treat the flu. It's about uh, many of them don't have the um, job security, so they don't have paid time off. Um, they don't have housing security. They don't have uh, food security. And so, you know, because we as a society couldn't get someone a flu shot um, and they ended up with the flu, now you've got a situation where that ripples to not just someone who's got to be treated for the flu, but someone who's lost their job, maybe lost their ho housing. And, uh, and you know, uh, if that's a breadwinner or or part of a breadwinner for a family, you've got much, much larger issues. And, you know, I, this is a personal thing for me too. Like I, I grew up in a small town in upstate New York and, you know, my sister was sick from a young age with, with a kidney disease. And my dad was a truck driver. Um, there were, there were times growing up where it uh, felt like we were dangerously close to having to choose between the medication my sister needed to survive and paying my, my parents paying their mortgage. And it was the Medicaid program that allowed us to do both essentially. You know, as, as the, the wealthiest uh, society in the history of mankind, I feel like healthcare should be a basic human right for, for everybody who lives in this country. Um, uh, but, you know, the reality is there's a two-tier healthcare system. You know, the people who, who uh, you know, we, we, we offer the highest quality Medicaid program that there is, but it's still really hard for hospitals to, to serve Medicaid patients when, when the payments don't cover their cost. And um, they obviously have to, they have to make the, their financials work as, a, as an organization. So, so Health First was launched as, as this experiment 28 years ago, collectively by the hospitals to solve this problem. And it's a, uh, it's, we've been incredibly successful. We now serve 1.7 million New Yorkers. Next year, we'll cross the 1.8 million member threshold. You know, I want that, and, 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 and we did it by partnering with the hospitals and partnering with doctors and, uh, and incenting the hospitals to partner on population health initiatives because honestly, I don't know, do any of you guys want to be in the hospital? You know, it's, nobody wants to be in the hospital, but if you need the hospital, you want to know that it's there and that it's going to give you the care that you need or someone that you, that you care about needs. Um, so my, my ambition is that this, we're a unique company. We're a mission-driven company. We're a nonprofit health insurance company. We, you know, I worked on Wall Street for 15 years earlier in my career. And I, and I, I think capitalism is a really good thing to the extent that it, it um, rewards those who solve problems in society. But I think capitalism needs to be constrained when it comes to healthcare. I think there's, a, there's the, the, the idea that the first five or six cents out of every dollar goes to shareholders in an industry where we know people need more care than they are getting, um, if, let's put it this way: if we can, if we can address um, that, if we can, if we can deliver care to to more people, because that money in our model doesn't have to go to shareholders; it stays within the healthcare system. I think that's a significant win for us, and and we achieve that by partnering with the hospitals. Not only are we unique because of the aligned incentives, um, but we're unique in that it's it's an aligned incentive model with all of the hospitals who 
are outside of our boardroom are actually competing with each other. And so that value-based business model is what we describe that as, where, where the alignment, the incentives are aligned to keep people healthy and keep them out of the hospital, get them access to preventative care, get them access to early intervention when, when, when things start to uh, require medical attention. Um, I want, I want, my vision is that we continue to do that for more people in the markets that we currently serve. And then my vision beyond that is to take that business model on the road uh, and, and incubate uh, similar um, such provider-sponsored value-based population health efforts in other parts of the, of the country. Uh, and and increasingly, that's all enabled by technology. And so, you know, that's resulted in us seeing an increase in the level of investment. Um, you know, the the and and it's also, um, you know, the, because of the investments that we've made to date, have driven uh, directly driven the continued increases in quality and growth and and uh, um, and financial results um, back to back to the hospitals. So. So that's my vision for Health First. And if you kind of double click down on that, we've launched a digital strategy. It's all about making healthcare easier for consumers. And if any of you have had to participate in navigating the healthcare system, I've worked in the healthcare system, you know, for the last 20 years, it's still hard for me to navigate the healthcare system. We need to make it easier for consumers. We need to make, uh, make it easier for consumers across the whole socioeconomic spectrum. You know, that's, I think, a really important part of social equity. If you don't have, if you don't have equity in your access to health care, then uh, we cannot describe ourselves as a, as a society that can be characterized as having, having uh, 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 equal rights for all. So what do I want out of this program? You know, I, my, my one sentence description of my objective is to build the workforce of the future out of the communities that we serve. Um, you know, see, I heard CJ alluding to this when I when I joined, but we need more people in the technology workforce, and you know, uh, it's uh, um, and in particular, who better to understand how to serve the communities that we serve than those who live in the communities that we serve, and in doing so, these technology career paths are very, um, you know, are, are financially uh, rewarding as well. So. Um, I, I look forward to creating, a, participating in the creation of this opportunity for many of you to, um, uh, to change the, your, your trajectory as well. Um, you know, I, I remember, um, uh, again, growing up in a small town upstate near first generation to go to college. My dad was a truck driver. I tell the story all the time. I remember say to my dad, dad, I think I want to go to college. And, and his response was, okay, let me know if you need a ride. You know, that was, that was, <laughs> it. it was, he didn't, he didn't, you know, he, he did, he did. It was a great, I, I'm very fortunate for the, for the family environment that I grew up in. I learned a lot about hard work and collaboration and teamwork. Um, but I, I didn't know what it was like to have a technology a career in technology. And, and, and uh, yeah, I moved to New York and took my first job at Con Edison without ever having been to New York City and I couldn't imagine like what do you mean you put a token in this thing called the subway and how, how do they know if you got wait I got to transfer at 59th street because I lived in Queens and how do they know that I'm transferring and like you, you know how do I know I'm transferring and I already gave my token the first time do I need another token when I transfer and I remember my first job I used to we got paid on the 10th of every month and I remember I knew where I knew where the the ATM was 
um, that distributed change back in the day on the because on the ninth of every month I, I, I you know it's a bit of a walk down Queens Boulevard but I I knew if I had four dollars and seventeen cents left in my bank account I could get four dollars and seventeen cents I don't think I don't think there's any ATMs that distribute money in that way anymore but um, so uh, you know this this career in technology and this career in healthcare technology is rewarding it's it's easy for me to get out of bed and be excited to to do my part and it's been it's offered me a degree of kind of uh, financial stability that that i hope to create for for those of you who who participate in this program uh as well i hope that makes sense it was a bit of a long-winded meandering answer but it's uh, it's GT, um, for you and 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 to to your team let me just start by saying wow i don't know that our team members quite recognize what it means to have industry leaders um, and executives join a call and provide insight into business objectives, business strategies, mission objectives, mission strategies, whether it's workforce development, community development, DE&I, or your ultimate um, mission, which I took away as creating a more equitable healthcare system for everybody. And who's not impacted by their health and healthcare? Obviously, I know several of our team members have that. Terry, so I'm going to violate my rule because I know we're coming up on time and we don't want to extend. But I'm going to imagine my name is Jake Collado, and I am joining for 40 to 60 hours a week, depending on what work is in front of me. Uh, a whole lot of technical content that Murphy Desika and our great trainers are, are shoving down my throat every day, guys. Eric, CJ, can you help me understand as a trainee who wants to put his best foot forward in front of you day one on the project, what do you want me to know? What do you want me to focus on in the world that is ranged from, and Murthy, please jump in if, if I need more context, but everything from Excel to SQL to Informatica and wraparound job duties and technologies and things, what would I do as Jake Collado to make sure that when we meet privately for the first time, I'm able to best demonstrate what value I can bring to your projects. Yeah, so I, I think, you know, going back to some of the commentary we had towards the beginning of this, to me, the the things that I would focus on is around your your energy level and your aptitude level. So, um, you know, to, to me, anyone who comes in thinking that whether it be training or experience or, or whatever, uh, if they believe that they've got the answer to everything or feel like they have to have the answer to everything, uh, they're starting off at a, at a place of disadvantage on how I want them to contribute. I, I think to me, it's about coming in and being inquisitive and, and having the energy to have it bit a bit, be a bit of a contact sport, um, you know, asking questions, probing more, saying, does this sound right? Or I thought about it through this way. And, and, that to me is is the energy that I think coming to the table on day one that uh, will help make you successful both on day one but also for your future. That never stops. Like it, it it really never stops as as far as you go in that career. I don't know, Eric, if you would add anything. Um, I actually hundred percent agree with what CJ just said. Uh, especially the excitement level and the energy is very important. The positive attitude toward what you're going to be engaging, what you're going to be learning, the excitement about being participating in an industry that is impacting people's health and life, and uh, that kind of energy will bring you a lot 
further. Uh, like it doesn't matter what you'll be engaging and learning. I, I just met with a new hire that coming on board through this program. The first thing I uh, that we discussed during that meeting is know how like you know how you're doing what's your background what's your goal coming in the healthcare industry what you want to uh, develop establish what kind of career you're looking for as well as what skill set do you have and you want to expand on so those kind of discussion to let, let me understand that person some more and see if that person is excited and is interested in continue to uh, pursue this career and making an impact to people's life because that's all what health first is about so with that energy and that attitude i think that anything else can be achieved by working together as the team excellent if, if i can build on that i mean i i, I think that i've always said that that um you know computers are the easy part of what we do computers are they only understand ones and zeros and they do exactly what you tell them to do right the, the you'll, you'll learn the technology part so so take the burden off of yourself you don't we're not expecting anybody to know everything um uh you'll be exposed to way more things that you don't know than things that you do know how you respond to that is really important. It's the people side that really matters, meaning appreciate the context. Remember what problem we're trying to solve and ever be, be constantly intellectually curious to understand that better and better. And it's and, and collaboration is just so, so critical. Uh, and you can't collaborate without effectively communicating. And the most important communication skill is active listening. Anyways, I'm looking forward to this, as you can tell. <laughs> Guys, thank you. And I'll, I'll spare two minutes to, to turn it over to everybody. But just on behalf of the O2A operations team, uh, GT, CJ, Eric, thank you so much. Um, team members, there's a person on this call who is probably going to have as much, if not more, influence than anybody on your future careers at Health First, and that's Tracy Carnes. Tracy works very closely with our team to organize every conversation and communication that's going on in support of launching this program in New York. And so Tracy, on behalf of everybody whose face you see on this Zoom and everybody who works on behalf of Galaxy behind the scenes for the program, we thank you for everything that you're doing. Um, yeah, Ryan, if, if, if I could just jump yeah, in, please. just echo that, um, just to give context uh, to our, uh, our outsourced folks. Um, I placed a call into GT about six months ago he didn't know me. Someone introduced me and floated the idea by him. It was it was 10 minutes. He said, I get what you're talking about. So to his leadership, his sponsorship, uh, willingness to, to introduce this into his organization, they're a fast moving train doing really great stuff, was a bold step. And then then enabling us, as Ryan said at the beginning, to meet his team. Um, you know, the folks that are on here, CJ, Eric and others, um, Thank you. I mean, they, it, it's unconditional access to them to discuss and figure this out. And as Ryan mentioned, you know, Tracy deals with us all the time. I mean, she is, she's a gem and she really works with us extensively. Um, you know, we, we're, we're, we're solving problems when you're, when you're trying to, you know, jump on a train going 100 miles an hour. It's an interesting challenge. So GT to your team. Thank you. Appreciate you making the time. Um, and we're really jazzed up about, you know, taking this to the next level. So thank you. Thanks. And I would just add, you know, first, it's been great working with all of you. And, you know, my, at my role at Health First, I'm fortunate. I get to work across all of our teams. So, you know, sometimes I'm a pain in the butt following up with everybody, but it's really great to be sort of in the center of it and to see how we continue to evolve and how it really impacts the entire enterprise and, you know, 
just, just listening to GT, not to sound corny, but I mean, it's just so inspiring to have a leader who has that much passion. And you'll see that across the board. I'm sure you feel it from CJ and Eric as well. And, you know, it's a great place to work. Um, I, I will go back to one thing because I think it's, it's good advice. CJ, you mentioned what you learn in college, you're not really applying exactly or even hardly at all in your job. And I think that's something important. It's you, you kind of get the foundation and, you know, as you're going through training and things like that, it builds the foundation of how you think, but really the adaptability and willing to change and constantly learn and even the soft skills of being able to do that, which entails working with multiple people. And, you know, if you have to figure out a solution, it's not always right in front of you. And those are the types of skills that I think are important and that you will learn as well. But just being part of, you know, healthcare technology and like the digital evolution is just, it's a really exciting place to be and, and a great, you know, enterprise to be a part of. So. I would just leave you with that advice and you know I'm sure we will be interacting more frequently in the future. Thank you, Tracy. So my guys, I, I hope you guys are motivated to hit training really hard the rest of this week. I mean, <laughs> now you see is believe. You guys trusted Galaxy um, and, and now you understand why that was a good investment that you guys are making meeting our customer on, uh, you know, on this Zoom. So um, stay motivated. As you now see, there is light at the end of the tunnel. Next steps will be to work with GT, CJ, Eric, Tracy to start creating interviews and, and other engagements with you guys in these different teams. Uh, but now you see why we do this. GT and Eric and CJ and Tracy, again, thank you to everyone who made this happen. Thank you. But onward and upward, let's make it happen. Yeah. Hey, hey, Ryan, just, you know, our yes. thanks back. Like this was an investment of, of everyone on, on your time and to the trainees too, as well. Like, thank you for spending the hour for with us and actively engaging. And, you know, an hour is both long and short, it feels like in, in most of these sessions. So if like, and, and I know at least me personally, there's different times that I feel comfortable asking my questions and not. So if there's anyone who had something that they feel like uh, they wanted insight from, at least myself personally, I'm happy for you guys to pass along my email address or, or if people want to even spend time on the phone, I'm, I'm happy to coordinate with you guys. Like I, I value this relationship and investment. And if you had something that you wanted to throw by, you know, don't, don't feel like you just missed the opportunity. You can still grab it. Thank you, team. You heard it.